0: All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Power Half Hour. Today, we have a very special guest from uh, Detroit, Michigan, Mr. Brandon Morinen. Beautiful. Hello, sir. Hello. Hello, everybody, and I'm
1: excited to be here. Thanks for having me, John.
0: Man, uh, you got a lot of fans. I got got hit up. you know, a few times uh, last night and a few times today. Oh, I've watched Brandon on uh, YouTube. He provides a lot of value. Thank you for bringing him on. So I'm sure our our audience here today are very excited to hear from you. Um, But we want to first and foremost know who you are. How did you get started in the business? Yeah, I
1: love it. So I started actually, John, in the mortgage business. That's where I met my wife uh, about 16, almost 17 years ago now. And so we were both in the mortgage business. We worked at a a large company, Quicken Loans. I think a lot of people know that company. Uh, Now I believe they changed to Rocket Mortgage. And so I started uh, when I was 20, I just turned 21 years old and I started the mortgage business. And the thing is, John, in the mortgage business, you are required to have six hours of phone time actually talking to prospects daily, or you are fired, period. End of story. So I grew up on the phone, six hours of talk time. We're not talking about six hours of outbound dialing, six hours of actually talking to prospects. And so what ended up happening is in 2008, as you know, what happened here in the States, the mortgage meltdown, the financial crisis, uh, my wife and I just got married, and we looked at each Mm -hmm. other and said, We can't both be in the mortgage business. Uh, We started investing into real estate, buying rentals. And I said, well, well, it just makes sense for me to be in real estate full time. You're in mortgages full time. It's a nice, happy marriage. And I left and got into real estate in the worst time in the history of the world. (laughs) Right. So that's when I got into
0: real estate. So that's what led me into the business. Wow. So six, six hours on, on the phone every single day or you were fired. So you built up that, you know, the mental toughness, the, the prospecting muscle right away. And, you know, based on those skills, uh, when the market crashed, you went into real estate. That's right. So, so it was 2006, you were in mortgages. And then when did you trans, uh, transition that into real estate? Yep. So got into to mortgage business in 05 and then got into real estate in 08 wait. Oh, okay. Got it. So when the market was still dropping like flies. Yeah. Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah. But you know what? I didn't know any different. And the thing is, John, is you know, I believe being in sales, our job as salespeople is to prospect. So, you know, I didn't know anything different. So when I got into real estate and I found out very quickly, I looked around and said, why is nobody on the phones? People are like, what are you talking about Be on the phones? What, what do you mean be on the phones? And so it allowed me to succeed in the business very fast because as you know, most realtors just are so scared of prospecting and talking to people they know and talking to people they don't know, which keeps them in low production. So it allowed me to win in the business and I can kind
0: of unpack that in a little bit, but that's what led me into the business in the first place. For sure. Uh, So really getting on the phones and it was like a, a brand new idea to a lot of agents, right? Especially back then when the market was on fire for however long it was, 2002 to 2006, seven, and then it started crashing down. That's what people said, okay, well, we need to prospect to get business, right? That's right. And so from 2008, it took you six years to become The number one Keller Williams agent, number one Keller Williams listing agent in your area, in your state. That's right. That's phenomenal. So um, straight up by prospecting, right? You you weren't an online lead gen guy, were you? No
1: online lead gen. It was, I'll tell you what I did. I'm gonna give you all five sources of my business because I think agents, they love to learn about lead generation. So it's still the same five today. It's just been built. Uh, The database has been built. And it's what I coach and train agents to do exactly the same. Number one is is your sphere of influence, okay? And I teach a whole strategy I call my top 100, but uh, there's 100 people I focused on. And so that was my pillar number one. Pillar number two, which is for sale by owners, expired listings, old expired listings. Uh, Pillar number three, which is probably one of my favorite lead sources, which is absentee owners. That was my niche. That's what I focused on. I had investment properties, John, so I could talk to people that own properties that were rentals. And then uh, my uh, number four on that source is having a specific uh, neighborhood that I would go and circle prospect and really focus on calling around hot listings. And then number five, which is my favorite lead pillar, which is referral partners. So from divorce attorneys probate attorneys estate attorneys cpas financial planners and then sales managers at assisted living facilities that fifth fifth, uh, piece of of business look at there's michael higdon uh that's my favorite that's my favorite uh pillar for sure michael thank you for being on time we really appreciate you being here and showing up
0: (laughs) is he one of your coaching clients no he's a good buddy of mine oh nice nice Well, those are the five guys. And today, that's how you started. So I think, you know, those are tough to get, I think, with the referral partners. I mean, with the pandemic and everything, how are you supposed to network? Yeah. How do you find them?
1: Yeah. So, a couple of, I mean, it's very, I mean, it's, I mean, they're all over the internet, right? If you did a Google search of divorce attorneys, every city in the world is going to have 400 divorce attorneys in that city. And so, just like anything else, you can call them. You can send a direct message on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can Mm -hmm. send them an email. You can stop by their office. You can ask. I bet you everybody on this webinar today, John, knows somebody or has been through a divorce. Ask them who they used and then have an introduction and ask them, hey, who did you use for your divorce? Oh, I used attorney Bob Smith. Can you make an introduction? Because here's, John, what we know. 80 percent of all divorces end up in at least one transaction, and most of them have three transactions. Ask me why, why? Well, because the divorcing couple, certainly we've got to sell the house and then each divorcing couple has to buy a new home. So imagine a world, your agents here on this webinar, they have five, 10, 20 divorce attorneys. They have referrals coming in for the rest of their career. If they do that right,
0: you don't really need that much more business outside of just divorce attorneys. Oh my goodness, that's a ton of business and it's consistent business because people are always getting married and getting divorced. You know so that it. it really is, it's canvassing, it's it's cold calling, it's showing up at their office, that's hard stuff. I mean, you've probably gone through a lot of rejection and a lot of us are newer on this call. What would you say to them to overcome the fear of rejection? Your income is a direct correlation to the amount
1: of rejection you get daily. So I'll say that again. Your income is a direct, not an indirect, a direct correlation to how much rejection you get daily. And that comes, John, with accepting the fact that we are in a direct outbound sales business, a direct outbound, meaning stuff's not coming into you. I don't know about you guys, but if you sit around and watch Netflix, people aren't calling you to list and sell their houses. You have to play offense. You have to go out there and find the business. So direct outbound sales business. Therefore, John, rejection is just part of the process. And the more money you want to make, you have to accept the fact that rejection is part of being in a sales position, period. And once we can accept that in our minds, we can go out there and we can blast through rejection. And no longer do we look at rejection as being uh, in the way, we actually embrace it and we want more. And so people that make all the money in our industry says, I want more rejection like Michael Higdon. He's prospecting two hours a day, come hell or high water, three hours a day,
0: excuse me, come hell or high water, no matter what, period, end of story. Two, three hours a day, no matter what right? I think a lot of us uh, say that we do. (laughs) Most agents lie about it. I know that for sure. But so the thing is like rejection is such, it's a thing where, okay, why do I have to do something hard? Why do I have to get rejected when my goals aren't strong? So what was your why when you first started out that have you just be so unstoppable and calling all the time through three hours a day? This is my blessing and my curse, John is the way in which I grew
1: up. So I grew up in a city that was filled with wealth and rich families, and we had nothing. I was dead broke. I grew up in a one-bedroom apartment with my brothers and my single mom. My dad was an alcoholic. He left us at a very young age. And I was surrounded by kids, John. I'm not even kidding you. 16th birthdays, getting brand new Escalades, brand new Ferraris, Have you heard of Flagstar Bank? No. Okay. It's a huge bank in the States. And his kid went to my school, brand new Ferrari spider, 16 years old. I'm walking to school with one shoe, right? So, so when you get surrounded by that, that gives you great strength as an adult. So as a husband and as a father, I like the pain. And like I said before, I believe in, in the what I call, and I don't call it, it's actually Darren Hardy calls it, where's my book at, my favorite book of all time. <laughs> don't know where it's at. It's in the compound effect, John, which I know you're a huge fan of. He talks about the pain pendulum and how it works for the audience is the further we push ourselves into pain, that pendulum swings back in equilibrium into success. Mm. And so the more pain we are in, is concrete evidence that we're on the right track to success. And if we stay in our comfort zone, that is evidence that we are headed towards failure.
0: And so
1: there has to be a correlation between how much pain am I in? Because that when that swings back, just like working out, we have to tear down the muscle, John, as you know, to build it stronger. And if we don't tear the muscle... The muscle doesn't grow and it's the same thing in business
0: and in life and and, in making money. So I, I, am curious about this all the time and thank you so much for sharing your story. It's a really, really amazing story. A lot of us who uh, produce at a high level catapult uh, to, to this new level all the time. And because they're so hungry and I find out majority of the time they go through a lot of pain you know, in their childhood. Now <laughs> I was fortunate to be growing up in, a, you know, to be growing up in a, a uh, immigrant family. And we came here, we, we came here with some money, right? So it was never in that, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of pain. So what would your recommendation be? If you didn't have a lot of pain, yeah. if you weren't surrounded by, you know, a lot of money and then you were, you know, right here and then your friends are right here, what would your recommendation be? I'll give, you a th- I'll give you this thought. So when you sent me the notes
1: before today's webinar, and I thought through some of these things, this is something that really, really changed the trajectory on how I perceive things in the world. And, and that's this thought. This is going to help everybody because you're right. Not You don't have to have a bad childhood in order to succeed. I mean, it's quite the opposite for most people. But think about this. Successful people, here's what I learned. I thought John, when I was growing up in the industry and growing up in the mortgage business, I thought people that were on stage and and we were at some, some of the same events watching some of the same people on stage, I thought they were different. I thought they knew something I didn't know. I thought they had something I didn't have. And what I realized was people that were succeeding at the highest level hated doing the things as much as I hated doing the things, but they did it anyways. That was the key. That was the only difference between me and the guy on stage with the Lamborghini. That was it. That was the only difference. He hated prospecting as much as I did, right? Mm -hmm. He hated knocking on doors as much as I did, but he did it anyways when I didn't. And so regardless of how you grew up, what we have another mindset, and we're going to talk about the success triangle in just a second, at the top of the success triangle is mindset. The mindset is you don't have to love the pain. You don't have to love doing the things that you don't like doing. You just have to love what those things allow you to achieve. And if you can correlate those two things, I think you can
0: break through that mental barrier, that, that things that are holding us back. Uh, I'm inspired already. So, I, you know, I, I've been comfortable and I'll just say that. So just coming to that, Michael. Uh, no, I won't allow you. Won't allow you. You won't. He me. Sorry about that. So Michael, who's on my team, he asks, and I'll ask for myself as well. How do you stay out of complacency?
1: Well, I think number one, it's critical, Michael, that uh, you've heard the the cliche sayings like you are who you surround yourself with. This is another thing, Michael, that I didn't really believe. I thought that was like foo-foo, like little magic wands, foo-foo stuff. But here's the deal. If if you're not in physical shape and you don't have abs coming out, go to lunch with people that are into fitness. And I guarantee you, Michael, when you order lunch, you will order something healthy because here's why. John and Michael in the group, when you leave the herd, the herd won't like it. Okay. That's a Robin Sharma quote. Okay. Another one of my mentors. And what that means is this. You see, you don't want to be the man or the woman left out. And so when you continue to upgrade your sphere of influence, I mean, you just you can't you can't show up to an 8000 square foot home in your Pinto. It just doesn't go that well. Right. Uh, and I'm being a little bit um, uh, maybe materialistic, but I'm trying to give you a, a framework. Right. So complacency. um for those that find themselves in complacency, it's probably because they refuse to put themselves in situations where they need to perform. And what I mean specifically is getting on an accountability group with Michael Higdon and John Tsai, when they're making 50 contacts a day, well, you can't not show up. You can't come on and make five contacts and say, all right, see you you later. So how to overcome complacency is how do I get surrounded with people who do more that have what I wanna have? And if I'm just surrounded by these people, I won't have a choice but to show up because the herd won't like it. Does that make
0: sense? Michael, does that help? Yeah, so yeah. He, he is he is the number one uh, agent who does a lot of prospecting on our team. So kudos to Michael and you know, you know what, Michael, um, you got to get yourself another uh, mastermind group with people who are doing a lot more contacts than you, a lot more appointments than you, you know, to think bigger. Uh, and, and I do want to acknowledge him. He got out of, out of complacency today because he's booking a trip to Morocco and that's going to cost him $10,000 to get out of yeah. complacency.
1: Well, right? and, uh, let me add one thing, Michael, because because kudos to you and, and you're lucky to be on John's team. I think John's a great leader. And so the other way to fight complacency is what I call creating your new character. And this is a be to have mindset versus a have to be, like we've all grown up in that situation. I see Higdon shaking his head. What that means, Michael, is this we have to design the character like you were playing a video game. And I know you played a lot of video games, John told me, okay? That's, you're supposed to laugh. There you go. Good job. So you, you create the character. What does Michael want to be, okay? What is the new character? What does he look like? What does he wear? Where does he live? What does he drive? What is his spouse like? What does his bank account look like? What does his retirement look like? And then, Michael, instead of waiting for something to happen, for those things, for you to have those things, Who must you, now listen closely, who must you become today in order to have what you want in the future? That's the key thing to fight complacency is becoming the person today before anything's occurred to have what we want in the future. Most most people live exactly the opposite. I gotta wait till I'm with the right company to prospect. I gotta wait till I have the right spouse to do this. I gotta wait to do this until I can have that. All of that is just total excuses. We can become the person today. We can act, behave, think, communicate like the new character. And it's
0: inevitable that you will become the new character. Mm, Build that new character, Michael. Who do you have to be? Who do you have to become your goals this year? Who do you have to become five to 10 years down the road so that you could have your actions today be consistent with that, be aligned with who you want to become. I hope that helps. Okay, another question. Hi, Brandon. What advice would you give new agents that you wish you knew then to give us a boost start? Say say it one more time, John. So basically, if you started over, what 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 did you wish you could do differently?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll give you. Let me let me talk about the what I call with all the agents that I'm coaching uh, my success triangle. Okay. These are four things that if you guys are taking notes, you're going to want to write down that really shape the, the, uh, what I wish I had in the beginning, okay? So this is essentially my formula to not only succeed in real estate, but in any business and in any life, okay? Number one is it starts with uh, strengthening the mindset, okay? Now, I know a lot of people talk about mindset, but here's the key thing. Our mindset is responsible for how we feel. How we feel is responsible for what we do. So therefore, if we have a stronger mindset and we feel better, we do more. Now, in my new book that's coming out, I have 10 mindsets that all millionaires share, okay? I'll give you a couple of mindsets that I wrote down right now, okay? Number one, know that it's going to be hard and it's okay.
0: Mm.
1: Know it's going to be hard and it's okay. Number 2, be patient. Be patient. Number 3, we just talked about it, live a have to be lifestyle instead of a be to have lifestyle. So number 1 is mindset. Number 2 then is actions, okay? Actions. So what are what are all what, what are the type of actions that lead to results? because here's the key thing, John, it's actions before outcomes. Okay. Mm. Here's what happens, ladies and gentlemen, you don't walk into the gym, work out one time, take your shirt off and see abs coming out. I promise you it doesn't work that way. You have to have consistent actions over time. And so when you say, what do I wish I would have done in the beginning? I would have double, triple, maybe 10x my actions. So first one is mindset. Number two, what are the actions that lead me to the results that I want? And then I'm going to build what I call a winning the day checklist. What that means is it's all action-based. What time do we need to wake up? Are you taking a cold shower? Are you hitting the contacts? Are you sweating every day? These are all actionable items. What I didn't say was any outcomes because Mm -hmm. outcomes follow the actions. Number three is skills. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot stress this enough. All the questions that I get from all the agents that I coach John all around the country is what do I say when? What do I do when? Mm -hmm. This is all coming down to mastering the art and science of selling. And John, I got hopeful we can talk about reverse selling a little bit in just a minute. And then number four, the most important, which is right in the middle of the triangle, accountability, mm. accountability around those three things. So the higher level of accountability, the higher levels of income you will have. So stop running away from accountability Change your relationship with accountability and just know that the top performers in any industry are being held accountable to what they say they want to do. And the higher levels of accountability, your income will climb, the more freedom you'll have when you live a disciplined life. So those would be the four things that I wish I focused on in the beginning, John, that I'm hoping uh, your folks here
0: on today's webinar can really focus on. JP, watched this over and over and over and over again. I hope you got some great notes there. So let's transition a little bit. Um, 2008 to 2014, you became the number one agent, Keller Williams. And in 2018, something happened. You built this great brokerage. You built this great, is uh, it uh, escrow and then mortgage company as well. Um, so my question or Jack's question, how did you become a great leader coach?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, so here's the key thing. I, I... Yes, I was lucky. And uh, growing up at the company that I grew up at, Quicken Loans, I was surrounded by, you could argue, but some of the world's greatest leaders, okay? And so I believe uh, what we do in this industry, we're, we're simply leaders, we're leaders of people. And what leaders of people do, John, is they get people to behave in a more productive way than they could on their own, right? And so we believe in servant leadership. And so the the answer to your question is, just like everything else, is mentorship and coaching. You see, I didn't take the traditional route of of a four-year college and university. I didn't do any of that. I invested heavily, heavily into mentorship and into coaching. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was in leadership development. Because I knew, John, in order to be a great business owner, I had to learn how to sell and how to lead people. And make no mistake about it, all real estate people are business owners. So we launched our real estate brokerage company. This is when I think I was in a mastermind with Mr. Higdon. And we were going back and forth. Should I do this? Should I not? And oh my gosh, I'm so happy we did. So today, uh, in, in a little over two two and a half years, we have 250 agents on the team. Wow. Uh, we are Last year, we did a half a billion dollars in sales. This year, we should hit a billion dollars in sales. Um, we have our mortgage company and our title company, and now we're coaching agents all over the country. We have 900 coaching clients all over the
0: all over the U.S. You just blown up. So, what would you? Uh, top two, let's say, top two programs that you would recommend to uh, look into and study to become a better leader? I mean, I would get heavily, heavily involved with
1: uh, Darren Hardy and John Maxwell. Love it. So those those two organizations have a lot to offer, John. They have entry-level things and they've got higher-level things, but those two individuals specifically uh, had a big impact in who
0: I am, uh, but those would be two areas I would start with. Jack, let's go look into it. Thank you. Thank you, Brennan. Let's talk a little bit about your coaching company, how you help agents reverse selling.com. Sure. So, I mean,
1: this is all based John off of a principle of what I believe sales is to be. And I'm going to and I'm going to articulate this the clearest way that I can. All of you I think will really uh, respond well to this. Traditional selling is a process of convincing somebody to do something. You guys all agree, say yes, because that's what we all try to do. We try to convince people to meet with us. We try to convince people to sign a contract. We try to convince people to list their house at the right price. We try to convince them and overcome objections. It's convince, convince, convince. Well, the big problem with that, and that's how traditional selling has been done for the past couple hundred years, is when we try to convince somebody of something, like a child. And we tell the child, John, don't touch that stove. You're going to burn the shit out of your hand. What do they do every time? Touch the stove. They touch the stove and they burn the shit out of their hand. So instead, reverse selling is a process of using the Socratic method to turn the prospect into the salesperson. And so how we do that Is by asking Socratic style questions to get the prospect to do all the telling, to get the prospect to do all the convincing, and to do the, and giving the prospect the opportunity to sell themselves on the decisions they make. And we stay out of it. And we learn this through um, really top litigators are great at doing this when people are on, on the stand they're using the Socratic method so that that uh, person on the stand essentially walks them right into the answers they're looking for. Let me give your audience a couple of examples so they really understand what we're talking about here. So here's something I think a lot of us uh, try to do, including myself. We call an expired listing or we're circle prospecting, and the prospect says, John, you know what? We're going to hold off for right now. Well, traditional sales training teaches us the objection handlers, don't they, right? Well, respond this way. Tell them about how good the market is. Tell them if they don't sell now, they're going to lose. Convince, 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 convince. In reverse selling, John, all we do is we stay agreeable. John, totally get it. If I was in your shoes, I'd probably want to do the same thing. Let me ask you, you know, why move at all? Why not just stay put? Your house is gorgeous. Now the prospect has to defend their position mm-hmm. on why they were looking
0: to sell. I can remove myself completely. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're getting them to talk about why they do, do want to sell instead of why Why am I making you, uh, why do I have to convince you to sell? Now they're telling you why they want to. And instead they're
1: selling- why they They're selling themselves on their own motivation instead of me trying to convince them to be motivated, right? So now I put you in a position to tell me, well, here's the deal. I mean, ideally we wanted something smaller. You know, we wanted to get across town. They they pour it all out to you. When you can use the Socratic method, this is what great teachers, great philosophers, great litigators are really good at.
0: And that's the baseline premise of reverse selling. I love it. Wow. So, well, we, time has passed by so fast, but I need to know this. I need to know, Brandon, you've uh, done phenomenal and congratulations on all the big success. What does it look like for you five to 10 years down from here?
1: Yeah, I mean, the big thing that we're looking at uh, is we're releasing our, uh, our, our first book on reverse selling. It's going to be on Amazon in the next probably 60 days. So we're very excited about that. We're we're getting ready, John, to launch our first in person live event here in Detroit. We're going to have about 700 people there. It's going to wow. be a great live event. Hopefully, you guys can make it. Higgin, you better be there too. And our goal, our goal is to uh, build one of the largest sales training organizations in the world, um, helping people not just in the real estate space, but any business, uh, any business to consumer sales p- uh, person. We, we believe we can help them increase their business, increase their profitability without having to be the salesperson. And I think we all have a tough time accepting because our perception of being a salesperson sometimes is very negative because we have to stop selling and we have to start serving the people at a high
0: level. And you'll be shocked at how much business you'll do. I want to be shocked too, guys. Um, What is the best way, Brandon, for people, for our audience to reach you? I would say either find me on Instagram or YouTube.
1: Uh, I put a lot of content out there. Uh, Or you can go to my website, reverseselling.com. You can get all my scripts there. You can get all my, like, how we respond to objections. It'll give you a good baseline
0: of reverse selling. Uh, Those will be the top three spots for sure. Perfect. Well, we've run out of time, but I want to say this. Uh, We need to have a session two with you. Uh, there's just so much more there that I want to talk to you about. And thank you. Thank you for today. Phenomenal information. Guys, join Brandon, follow Brandon, get his book. Guys, phenomenal information. Watch this over and over and over again. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure that you guys are in good hands with Mr. John sy and his team. And uh, appreciate the opportunity, John. Awesome. Have a great day, y'all.